Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, I don't know about you, but I grew up with the big, bad nuclear question. That's right. I was even raised where I was supposed to sit underneath my desk and duck and cover. Remember those days? Well, those days are these days. In fact, we are still working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get these nuclear weapons out of our lives. And we have an action group in Rotary that is working with leaders from all over the world to help make it happen. So join me, won't you? We're going to talk the nuclear weapons action group, RAG, and how we can truly make this world a safer place for Rotarians and everybody else. We're talking nuclear weapons this week. And as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. It is my honor and pleasure to have Anne Frisch on the show today. We're going to talk about nuclear disarmament. We're going to talk about RAG for Peace. We're going to talk about an action group today that is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to literally make the world a safer place for everyone on it. And they are all doing it as Rotarians. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's such an honor to have you. You're welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So why don't you give me all your titles? Because you you started before we were we were having our little pre-show chat and you were saying, well, I'm also. So tell us who you are besides a proud Rotarian. Okay. I am a professor emerita of education and human services, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Um, Bagosh. I was, yes, I I worked as an unarmed civilian protector with Nonviolent Peace Force in Guatemala in 2007, and then became one of their senior advisors. So that is one of the um, titles I carry with distinction. I guess so, so, yeah. um, I was Rotary Peace Champion in 2017, something that people like to know about in Rotary. Mm-hmm. And um, there were five others of us there in Geneva, and it was a very thrilling experience to be on stage with Ian Risley and John Huco and, and all the big brass, and then all the Rotarians that came all the way to Geneva just to see us. So um, it, it was great. Um, what else? I've been in Rotary um, since 2012. I was... Okay. I was a member of the St. Paul Rotary Club in Minnesota, and I was working on unarmed civilian protection. And I realized this is not going to work being outside Rotary. I Mm. have to get inside. Now, I have been a Rotarian back when I was a professor, uh, but I just, it was in the early days when women were admitted and um it just wasn't a good fit was it was it what we weren't we weren't quite in there yet <laughs> like we are today <laughs> I, I, there were some very nice men in the club but they kind of looked at me like honey did you get lost oh no I hate hearing yeah, stories like that here but anyway honestly it was a very nice club in Oshkosh too they 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 introduced well, 
they introduced me to Rotary. And then when I was um, working with Nonviolent Peace Force, I, I said to my colleague there, this is not going to work being on the outside because I, I don't have the personal relationships right. that, that, that I would have um, that where I can just chat about things. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. You called you called yourself a member of the nonviolent peace course. Um, first of all, the whole idea of to be nonviolent peace court to it's almost like jumbo shrimp. I'm just saying the name yeah, right. itself. Yeah, that I'm like you're you're working for peace and you've decided not to be violent as you work for peace. So well, tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit about that group. Um. Couple people, just like all the all of us, the way we do things, we we meet people and we have an idea and we start talking about it. So these two people, um, both Americans and one from St. Paul, mm-hmm. uh, meeting in The Hague, talking about trained civilians working to rebuild relationships in an area of armed conflict without weapons. I get it. Okay. So you think that sounds very dangerous, but we are yeah. the most trained people on security on the planet to keep things peaceful and to keep ourselves safe. That way we keep other people safe as well. So we help, we accompany people when they're going out for firewood and water. Uh, we uh, accompany them to dangerous meetings where there are uh, l- lots of potential for for danger, um, <clears throat> we um, we we broker agreements. We're not mediators because okay. when people uh, and this happened many many times in South Sudan and in the Philippines, where we were actually facilitating helping facilitate the the peace process um, that took place in 2013 with our help, um, Myanmar, Syria. Um, a number of different places, including the Twin Cities, in, after the murder of George Floyd. So, and now, with with all due respect, you seem uh, you seem in the uh, late parts of your life. Outside of romantic way to say it, a nice way to say it, you are an older person. I don't see you. Very, I was going to say. So, but I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't. You don't hit me as an action hero kind of person and you're literally escorting these people through dangerous stuff i mean i will throw myself on my sword and apologize but from first impressions i don't see you in a flak jacket there as a badass helping somebody but is that what you're telling me you, you were doing no actually when we go into a place we go in by invitation from the civil society community okay so they know we're coming. They help us find a place to rent. We, you know, we we move in. We don't take a lot of stuff with us. We uh, we have a salary, but um, uh, it all goes home to pay the bills and to take care of our spouses and things like that. And we live there, and we try to live in diverse communities with young and old, where people get to know us and know a hey, we do not constitute a threat to them. And, so, and so it, please, how to do this. So from that background, you now as a Rotarian now, um, 
are one of the people involved with the uh, nuclear action group and a couple other groups. So tell me what groups that you're, you're sponsoring and or in now. Well, I'm, I'm also working um, with the intercountry committee, us, Russia, um, mostly we're just building friendships. That's what you got to do before you can get rid of any kind of weapons. Um, um, I am the Peace Fellowship Chair, so I do the interviewing for Rotary Peace Fellows, and that is a really a hoot of a job. I just absolutely love it and uh, meet the greatest people. Um, and so, of, yeah. So let me so let me back up because I think there's two things you said there that a lot of my listeners, um, including myself, I am very new to the in-country collaborations that we do. And in fact, I really got to know them during our last virtual international conference because I spent my extra money and got in there the day ahead of the conference to learn all about these inter-country collaborations. Tell me about this one on Russia, about, about these inter-country things. What, what are they? And what do you hope to do with this one? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm new in this, but what we have done so far is have conversations. Okay. Uh, partly to get to know each other. Uh, we do club to club things and sometimes they're projects. Uh, but as, as one example, the Russians uh, about a year ago said, um, we, we would like to bring into this U.S.-Russia group a professor who has been working on uh, nuclear abolition. And so he spoke to us on the title, um, are we going to collaborate, are we doomed to collaborate or are we just doomed? So this wow. is the initiative of the Russians in the group. Um, many of them, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're fantastic Rotarians and uh, we really in Rotary, we underestimate who they are. We need to I get agree. Them on the world stage. Yeah. Uh, podcasts maybe would, would do it. They're I there think we go. wonderful people there. Uh, and, and so, um, oh, oh, we exchange, exchange cards and birthday greetings with some of them. That's not going to do it. I think my idea with the U.S. Russia ICC, and of course, this is my idea and what I bring to it is that we need to work to get cultural exchanges because right now we're at our worst time in, in a very long time where uh, both Russia and the U.S. Are, are, are vying for who can who can close down our relationship the fastest. So yeah. more cultural exchanges. We take out our embassy personnel. We don't allow visas. You know, we make it very difficult. And we want to reverse that. Yeah. We want to reverse this by having a really big core of friendly people who care about each other and trust each other. We're not going to hurt you. You're not going to hurt us. And thank we're discovering these are fantastic people. Amazing. Absolutely amazing people. Well, I think I think people listening to our voices right now would be very surprised to think that we have Rotarian groups in Russia, I mean, especially and I will I will speak for the West. You know, I will speak as, you know, my American. I'm, I'm like I, I've told you, I'm talking to you from the Pacific Northwest, as my my listeners know. And Russia's a long way away. Yet I remember going to a speaker that said started us all off with how many people think that Russia is the enemy to the United States. And, and of course, a lot of people raised their hand. And then he went on to say, how many people think that they care about 
eating or care about plumbing or care about that they're that they have food and shelter and clothing. Everybody kept their hands up, but you could just feel the energy kind of going, well, yeah. So in other words, that we have a lot more in common than we don't have in common or that powers that be governments say we should, you know, them, they over there, those people, and we shouldn't like them kind of thing. So that's what you're trying to break. Yeah. And and we have, there are a lot of rotary clubs in China now that, um, we wouldn't imagine. And my my hope is that uh, we will have clubs in the DPRK, North Korea, and Cuba. For Cuba, there's no reason why we shouldn't have a club in Cuba. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, well, and I found out a little bit because I am I am the the Rotary history junkie of no. my Rotarian group, and I found out that uh, in 1916, Rotary became an international bilingual service uh, civics organization by having a club in Havana, Cuba. And that's how we became bilingual in Cuba. So the whole idea that we have some of our oldest roots as Rotarians are in Cuba. Oh, that is amazing. No, I, yeah. I do know that in 1940, the international convention was in Havana. Oh. They made a statement in 1940, which was very uncharacteristic of, of Rotary Conventions. And they said, we, we have to care about human rights, peace and justice and human rights. And it was because they could see the war coming with Germany. And we have to talk about this. Well, then out of that, Rotarians move forward with the Charter of the UN and the Universal Declaration uh, of Human Rights. Right. So. Rotary, we we have accomplished so much in this, none of which I had anything to do with. I'm just trying to keep the world uh, intact so we can do some more things. But but yes, that was in Cuba um, with the first president of the General Assembly was a Rotarian from Brussels. And there were several Rotarians who were president of the General Assembly. And the first resolution in 1946 was to deal with Nuclear materials, nuclear, they're really talking about the bomb. The bomb, yeah, they're really talking about. They're talking about the bomb, but they made it sound like it was materials. Uh, well, yes, we're going we're gonna to try and yes. sanitize it just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. The, the committee is still meeting. By the way, they, they haven't quite well thank you for the history lesson let's get back into the modern day so you have you have the the group with um uh russia that you're working with and then tell us about this nuclear action group which is how i discovered you at the international conference what are rotarians do doing to get rid of nuclear weapons well, I just like it's a grand to... question, I know, but yeah, no, that's that's a long question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I joined uh, Rotary Action Group for Peace because I like Al Jewitz and they were doing great things. And <laughs> so um, at the Atlantic Convention, I love conventions because I love sitting around schmoozing with people about what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, this. Uh, uh, Rotarian, whose name is Robert Smith, he's my hero. He came up with a petition that would abolish nuclear weapons. And so I signed and I said, you know, 
one person can't do it. Give me a copy of the petition. I'll take it around. So we kept hearing people say, well, we don't want to abolish all nuclear weapons, but we want to keep a few. And I said, okay, well, who who can have them? And who gets them? Right. Let's say we only have five. Who gets five? Right. Right. Okay. And they, they didn't know because that means you're going to have a lot of countries having one or five. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have just the privileged few having some. We're going to be the peacekeepers of the world and keep our nuclear weapons. So it was obviously a problem. But the exciting part of that was that, like most petitions, that we've done this before in the peace building group, they all end up in the wastebasket. Ah. Where are you going to send it? So, but this this time it was different and it's because it was Robert Smith and because Marsha Hunt was there and we called up Al Jubitz and said, will you get on a Zoom meeting? And we asked uh, Rudy Westervelt and Karen if they would come and join us in Los Angeles. I don't usually get on a plane for two days, but I did for that meeting because uh, we're going to make history here. We might as well start it off with us. And and I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, but like you've given us some names and for those of us who are not privy of who these people are, why were all these names so important that you got on a plane and were willing to travel? Well, they're both members of Rotary Action Group for Peace. Okay. And um, friends of mine. Um, they're people I hang out with. And so it just so it was just like we're buddies and we're actually gonna make this happen besides ending up in the wastebasket. Let's just do this. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And and then they said, and you can be in charge. And I said, well, Oh no, no, wait, wait. <laughs> it's all fun and games until I'm in charge of everything. Wait a second. Right. So anyway, uh, we had our meeting in LA. Um, and then we didn't resolve the question of how many or how fast or whatever. It's all very complicated. We were trying to come up with the, the magic policy uh, right. proposal. And then well, we left without resolving that. So we didn't know that the General Assembly was about to vote on the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. And um. so in July, uh, I think it was July 17th, uh, 2017, they voted almost unanimously. Just one country said no and one abstained and to move forward with this particular treaty. And it's a really lovely treaty. It's not like the others that we're going to make you do this. You got to do this. It's all about what the countries that ratify would be willing to do. And that okay. Is, and what are some of the things that these countries are willing to do? Not, we commit not to uh, manufacture nuclear weapons or help other people do that or store them or transfer them. Uh, we will provide. Um, um, remediation in case of problems um, Mm -hmm. and we will never use or threaten. So it's like like a marriage. It's like saying, I will love you till death do us part. And and it's not like what you got to do and what I got to do. It's very different than other treaties that have, by the way, not done too well. But it does follow the successful treaties that got rid of that, that dramatically reduced chemical weapons 
landmines, and bioweapons. So they modeled it after these successful ones. Gotcha. And not everybody signed that either, including the big, the big powers. The big powers, right. But what happened was because the countries had to start pulling back and to stop doing the ways they collaborated with the production. They had to stop their screw factories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know in advance what this is going to be. So they're going to say, yeah, we have to shut down our uh, the, 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 the screws that go on the nuclear weapons. We have to shut that down and, and uh, uh, all those kinds of things. We can't. We can't let nuclear planes land with nuclear weapons on them on our territory. So there are a lot of things they can't do. So they have to think about this. They have to talk to their military people. They have to talk about their policy people. Because this treaty, when they ratify it, becomes domestic law in their country. Wow. They're bound to it just like they are uh, when you can cross the street. So I think I think one thing you're 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 letting our listeners know is that there is there's there's big money even if you don't have a nuclear weapon in your own country like you said the the making of them or the or i'll let you borrow my airfield for a certain amount of money to get it from so the one thing that i thought was very interesting is the collaboration part of this treaty through the un that you're saying that it's like it's like not necessarily i don't need them i'm a little country I don't need to be a mass world power, but I really enjoy when you pay rent to come land your stuff at my little airfield before you, while you gas up on your way to so-and-so. So that part of it is fascinating. The, the business of nuclear weapons is something I think we forget about. Not all of us. I and, do. But <laughs> and that's what happened with the other model treaties of weapons mass destruction is that mm-hmm. even when the big powers didn't sign. When the little powers sign, you know the investors got scared off. Gotcha. And so that's what we're that's what the hope is with this UN thing is to get the investors to get the money man out of it, basically. Basically, you have to look at nuclear weapons as a business designed to make profits for certain companies. And it's a very lucrative business. And and one of the ways you can undermine this, because that's really would not pass the four-way test. Uh, you have to under you have to give support to countries that are saying, we're, we're not going to do this. And then you publicize who is divesting from nuclear weapons. And, and you give people credit for this. You say, great, way to go. Um, individuals who divest, you say, way to go. You're doing the mm-hmm. right thing. So um, this is the way the other treaties were successful. And they predict this treaty will be successful. And I have to say, you know, maybe the big powers aren't going to join, but Canada is under a lot of pressure to to ratify. Mm -hmm. And they would have to do some serious thinking about who can land with nuclear stuff and, and all the ways we collaborate, Canada collaborates with probably mostly the U.S., but other countries too, you know, U.K. and France have nuclear weapons, Russia and China have nuclear weapons, North Korea has nuclear weapons, Israel has nuclear weapons. So, you know, there's lots of money to be had. And if you start saying, ah, let's let's do solar. Right. We can make more money on solar than nuclear weapons than anyway. It's a dying business. Yeah. But I'm bummed. 
Yeah. (laughs) Nuclear is a dying business. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting also, countries like Australia, a change of government's going to make a big difference. Canada's Mm -hmm. under a lot of pressure. Netherlands have U.S. nuclear weapons. They're under a lot of pressure. Get out of the business of hosting nuclear weapons. Germany, they say a change of government in the right direction will have a phone call to hopefully Mr. Biden saying, could you come and pick up your nuclear weapons, Joe? Um, so that's okay. So that, that, okay. That, and I used, I used the, the little phrase of a landing your airplane, but what you're saying is we, the Royal, we of America here, we have our nuclear weapons, not just in the United States. We have nuclear weapons all over the world that people are taking care of for us. Yeah. About, uh, Turkey is one of them. Uh, France and UK have their own. Of course, right. Being the, the the colonial powers and the wannabe number one. Um, so uh, Russia doesn't let other people host their weapon, weapons, and neither does China, and neither. And of course, North Korea, Korea is. And yeah. neither, North Korea has all theirs underground to keep them and keep them safe. So. Here's here's a here's a question for you then. And and I and I and I, you gave a good tease about the four-way test. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But let's say this treaty passes and everybody signs it, including the big mucky mucks of the world. What do we do with that? I mean, the, you can't, you know, you can't do an I dream of genie and pop your head and they magically disappear. How do you now that we're not going to use them, what do you do? with a decommissioned nuclear weapon? Oh, that's a very easy thing to do. We built them, we know how to take them apart. In fact, there's a two minute video on how to do it if you ever- uh, <laughs> So if I ever run across a nuclear weapon, there's a, I go yeah, to YouTube. How would you like to just nail the nuclear weapon this weekend? I need some help. <laughs> you know, they're, they look like this and you just pull them apart. And there are some parts that you could just pull a truck in and pull stuff off. And then there's some parts that are kind of delicate, you know, like the plutonium and the uranium. And you yes, the stuff that, yeah. You have to put your gloves on for these. Yeah, and maybe a face mask. Put them in a, a good container and you have to bury them somewhere with it. This is a real problem. Um, but uh, we, we did this and Rotarians were involved in this movement back in the 80s and 90s. Al Jubitz and uh, uh, from Delhi, um, uh, Nirmal Chandra Mather and Winslow Myers were all involved in working U.S.-Russia scientists. And they came up with uh, the, the, the documentation on what it would be. And by golly, our Secretary of State and Gorbachev started talking. They're saying, we got to stop talking about this missile and, and that, whatever. We got to talk about getting rid of all of them. They agreed. You can't win a war. You can't win a nuclear war. It's impossible. And so what did they do? They got rid of 50,000 of them. If you can even imagine, we have 50,000 nuclear weapons. I mean, no, no. I mean, we had 75,000 nuclear weapons. So we got rid of 50,000. And we did it, U.S. and Soviet soldiers, side by side. Hey, bring, bring the truck over. We got some of this juice to put in the container. So it was a very amicable thing. And, but we didn't get all of them. 
And so, so that's what's still causing 13, problems. 13,000 is about 100 times enough to just wipe everyone, dis, discombobulate the whole planet. And here's what I say to uh, young professionals in the, the internet generation, I say, think about your life without the internet. And they go like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Now other people are more concerned about food, and clothing, right. Right. you know, how am I going to get to work? No. And actually, that's my top priority, too, is what am I going to do without the internet? My mm-hmm. life would just be. The truth is, we would look like hunters and gatherers. Yeah. We'd be eating radioactive berries and radioactive pigs. That's what they're doing at the Soviet Union right now because of Chernobyl, which is another story on nuclear. Right. But their stuff is still all over. So there is no way to contain this stuff. So, for instance, the test of the Trinity in Nevada in 19, I want to say, 45, 46, just before we dropped them on Hiroshima and um, Nagasaki. Um, the, the test, of course, was on the remote areas of Nevada where there are Indian tribes and Hispanic people and people who are considered, um, uh, what's the problem here? There aren't very many of them. And, right. You know, how many toilets do they really have and all that kind of thing. Uh, that's, that's true, actually. Edward Teller wanted to peaceful use of nuclear weapons, drop a nuclear weapon on Alaska. And his argument was, well, there probably isn't a half a dozen toilets in all of Western Alaska. And that was for development. So I digress. So, so okay. So let me back up. I'm going to put a bit in that because I already hear, I can already hear people listening going, what, what? So in the, in the 40s, when we were testing these things, the yeah. way we could get away with dropping these tests wherever on indigenous people that we wanted to drop them on was because, well, they're not really civilized. They don't have toilets. So they're not going to care if we drop a I, weapon on them. I, I can't say what went through their heads, but <clears throat> we we really dropped 2056 nuclear weapons. And where were they? Marshall Islands, Papua yeah. New Guinea, uh, you know, all the places where, you know, people don't have a lot of power and we don't have a lot of commerce and so forth. So, you know, it's 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 a very sad state of affairs, frankly. But what happens is you can't do one thing. They dropped the Trinity bomb and the other tests in Nevada. The, the winds were different that night. The, the, the radioactivity came to Minnesota. Really? And wow. The Midwestern states landed on the soil. Cows ate the hay. Children drank the milk. And many, even a Rotarian I know, suffered thyroid cancer as a young adult because of this. And, and, and if you think of the people who lived downwind from the Trinity, downwind from, from the plutonium production in the Washington, downwind from the um, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, their, their uranium processing, you, 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 you can't keep it in one place. So that's a real problem for even people who do count 
and I hate to put it in these terms. That's okay. We're, we're talking about a long time ago when our, well, yeah. On how people decided where to drop these bombs. Algeria, the French, yes, the French dropped a whole bunch of nuclear weapons. Even after independence, they buried them in the sand. So today, there's just a lot of junk. Sands shift. They, I'm sure they knew that. So, so here's so then so then catching all that up because I I know there's some people whose brains are just like I can't believe it. So I think when we think of nuclear weapons and we think of this Rotary Group working for ending of nuclear weapons, we're thinking of those silos. We're thinking of the silos in Colorado, the silos in North Korea. We're thinking of the silos, but what your group is also working on is just basically the debris that's still out there on these islands or in Alaska or, and and how, and how are you helping fix that per se? Basically we, we can fix all of those things. We, we can do some cleanup. It's just that countries that drop nuclear weapons, they tend to just, they just leave them there. Um, so we, we can take care of that. First thing we have to do is, wait, stop the expansion of nuclear weapons in all of the countries that are, are, are uh, again, this, this is the industry driven. The, um, the lobbyists who, who go to Washington DC, just as an example, for every dollar invested, get $320 back in contracts. That, that's, that's pretty good though. See, my job doesn't work that well. I, I <laughs> it wasn't for such a. <laughs> so you know, we need to have a plan for what are you going to do with all these workers who are making very nice salaries. That's why they like to work there. They know that's doing no good to the work. They just want to make some money and, and and get ahead in life. So we have to make a plan on how to shut this down, and and stop stop these stop the production. So that's that's really our first big step. Even before that, we we have to get to. We're we're not going to go down this direction. Yeah. So right now in Congress, there's more money for nuclear weapons, on, um, building new um, uranium um, um, uh, cores for nuclear weapons in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Los mm-hmm. Alamos now has big plutonium pits that you know they're bulldozing trees to put in these things. Um, they're, they're even doing stuff ahead of formal permission because they just there's so much money there that 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 it, it's gonna happen. We just can't resist it. So we we have this and and, and so and so it sounds like we have the money, we have the past we have our past history with how we we deal with with nuclear weapons. We have Rotary working to try and and work with the UN on trying to get some of these uh, negotiations done. So I think that's the biggest thing that your action group is doing is being that voice in that connection. I think it's a nice reminder to tell our listeners that Rotary does work with the UN. We helped charter the UN, so we are still active and and working in the UN, but. Uh, I guess my simple question is, if if I wanted to join your action group tomorrow, what would I be seeing that action group doing every oh, day okay. to help the problem? Uh, well, um, uh, we, we don't, Rotary does not 
have a presence yet in the disarmament uh, area of Rotary. Uh, okay. Of the UN. Very good in food and agriculture and uh, World Health Organization. But that's where we haven't we haven't we haven't wiggled our way into there yet, right? But I want you to know that Rotary was nominated for a Nobel Prize, and mm-hmm. some of us have been working to get Shakar uh, Mehta into the UN because the world needs to see that we care about this issue, and we hope that it's so good that Rotary International will say, let's just say yes to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Because our moral authority is very great. Mm-hmm. And they know we have done a superb job on, on um, uh, vaccinations on polio. We, mm-hmm. they, we have a stellar reputation. So we know we have the capacity to do this. So as, as we go to meetings, we did go to the nuclear non-proliferation meetings, and we, we held a rotary side event. And people came to this, and it was very well publicized through the UN because we were official civil society observers, right. Rotary Action Group for Peace. And so they came, and they were just going like, I, I can't imagine that Rotary is involved in this. One woman came because her dad was in Rotary, and she said, I, I, I can't imagine Rotary doing this. I bet it's the perfect thing, but how did this happen? So it mm-hmm. happened one thing after another, just we're all working in this together. Um, we, we have um, a, a, a sign-on support for the Japanese survivors. Okay. Um, and so we have 550 names, and these people are all people who say, yeah, we care about this issue. So we're, they're really taking a stand when they, when they sign us on. Um, but we, we now have uh, an invitation, we Rotary, Shakar Mehta has an invitation from uh, the UN, from the Undersecretary General uh, for Disarmament Affairs to speak with her on a platform and the International Committee for the Red Cross and the International Positions for the Prevention and Nuclear War on September wow. 30th. So he's going to be on a stage that for since uh, probably the 60s, we have not been on. So wow. in in 1945, we had a president of the General Assembly. Yes. We had Resolution 1 on nuclear weapons. And we have moved away from that, and now we're coming back. And I feel very confident that this will also help the world to see Rotary as really a big player in world events. So, so one that's that's shocking and i think it's awesome that you know we on this particular we actually have more of a history with nuclear uh uh issues in the un or at least the lobbying for the dismissal of them than we do probably other aspects of the un so that's what this action group is doing and i think that's awesome but you did tease and we do ask a question in this podcast all the time about the four-way test. How, you know, how do you work in the world of nuclear disarmament or nuclear cleanup or nuclear, we don't want you anymore, based on a four-way test? I mean, because it's the truth. This stuff can kill us and destroy our planet. Um, does it build goodwill and better friendships 
well, I that is just stunning, a stunning question to approach into this. And is it fair to all concerns? You did dabble on that because you're saying there's people who feed their families working every day, dealing with, you know, the um, construction and or the maintaining of these nuclear uh, places and weapons. So how does the four-way test fit in to either personally or as the action group? How can you guys do an action group about nuclear weapons and follow that four-way test? So we we started looking at what what was the essential truth here? And, and we came up with this, that abolition of all the nuclear weapons from every country, uh, absolutely scrapping them. Uh, is the only way to do this uh, that will save the planet because the danger from even one nuclear launch is is too great. It would impact all of us just like Trinity did and Hiroshima and all of us. It did affect all of us. Uh, is it fair to all concern? Yes, because we have people in even in Rotary and in the world um, who are very different, but we all would survive. So you think of people who, um, you know, we, we want to save uh, criminals and we, we want to save politicians who are doing terrible things to us. We want to save everybody. So we have another day to talk about things and talk about how we're going to deal with the climate, how we're going to deal with racism. So we think the essential truth is the only tr- policy, the only practice that would uh, fit the four-way test is uh, to get rid of all of them. Um, is it fair to all concern? Yes, it would be fair to all concern. Nobody would have to even worry about nuclear. Will it build goodwill and better friendships? We did it. Soviets and, and U.S. soldiers built a lot of good friendships over dismantling mm-hmm. their weapons. And, you know, on the one hand, we say to them, we're not going to hurt you. And they're saying, we're not going to hurt you. And yeah. that's very engaging. We developed the kind of trust that has saved us many times. Um, will it be beneficial to all concerned? So one could raise the issue of what about all these people are making money? So the right. people are just making huge amounts of money, billions and billions of dollars on nuclear weapons. They could just go to the bank. I'm sorry. Pipeline mm-hmm. cut off. What about all the workers? Now they're that's yeah, crazy. that's the people. I mean, when you they talk about coal stuff. miners or you talk about so, other yeah, oil so rig workers, are, this is up there with them. There are plants all around the world. So what we say to them is, like we did in the railroad um, the railroad strike, every time uh, some 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 whole sector goes out of business, we have a plan for them. We we don't yeah. leave people stranded. The the people who are making, the, even the workers, are making very good money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to the banks, we say, sorry, you can't make money on our destruction. Okay. That's not fair to me. It's not. It's definitely not fair to all concerned. <laughs> to make, yeah. We, yeah. we thought about that. We have been challenged by that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who would who believe that, and this is just propaganda because there really isn't a lot of evidence that nuclear weapons are a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Well, the um, 
a very high court has ruled that nuclear weapons are essential. They're, they're illegal. They're not only immoral, they're illegal. But there might be a case where a survival of a country depends on pretending that they could obliterate somebody. Of course, mm-hmm. that's not really true. Uh, but let's let's imagine that they could launch the first weapon. Maybe North Korea might be one of those countries. If if we're just being factual and not being right about this, they are very threatened by um, the outside world. world. I would say not just us. We should say the world. Yeah. And so uh, yes, I think maybe Israel. I think probably thinks it needs it for its security. So we start talking the language of um, we will not hurt you. Mm. And this doesn't mean giving them all the property or letting them do whatever they want to do. That it's not what it means. It means we understand that you feel threatened. Now, I don't think the U.S. needs to feel threatened. I think we're Doing pretty well. I don't think Russia and China need to feel threatened. I think that's a that's a I don't know braggadocious, braggadocious kind of thing. But, okay. Yeah, we we have to be careful. We've done this many times, at least in the U.S. We take care of people whose business um, uh, goes. Uh, even people when people are their personal business goes bankrupt. We we have provisions in the law, right. but in, on a social level. We do help sectors that go out of business for whatever reason. Um, and in this case, it's because they're they're doing us damage and they're spending a lot of money. And what that means is personally, it's money. Uh, it's about uh, people calculated around um, $200 a person, $230 a person. Um, so family of um, five would be kicking in about a thousand dollars a year for nuclear weapons but cities um, so i'm sorry let me let me back you up there so to get it's that we as taxpayers pay for nuclear weapons about a thousand dollars a year is that yeah, what you're saying on, in our taxes on, or in our on average um, now this is just u.s and u.s tax data so right okay meticulously studied by year and so, that we are tax our tax dollars we in the United States so for all my international right. listeners you're on your own uh we spend about a thousand dollars a year to help per keep family this per family of five to help yeah, more keep nuclear weapons alive and well and active in the world is that what you're basically and what saying that means if there's not a lot of money for the cities so the cities also lose because the federal government now doesn't have that much money to for its you know, the normal things the cities need money for and maintenance, infrastructure, and all the things we're talking about every day. So it's, it's a really big negative impact on people in cities. And cities, cities are the place that people get their protection in, yeah. the, in the United States. So um, it's, um, it's, um, well, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying not to have a depressing podcast. I mean, <laughs> But I have to say, I have to say, Anne, that this is, um, I, I forget the the Greek story of the of the the gentleman who used to push the rock 
up the hill every single day only for it to come down yes and to push it back up again so and and i thank you for taking so much of my time but i want to leave you i want to ask you one more question let me take so much of your time i said my time of so much time for us today sorry about that i want to get one last question to you because we've heard about the prophet we've heard about in nuclear weapons we've heard about our history We've heard about what you guys are trying to do to lobby to fix it. Do we have any hope? I mean, if you're if you have this action group where you were pushing this rock up this mountain every single day, uh, do you go to bed at night and go, why the hell do we have this action group? Why do we have any of this stuff? You know, I mean, can you do we have any light at the end of the tunnel? Yes. And the kind of thinking I do in the middle of the night is. uh, Oh my gosh, I think I got a technical problem with the website. We're not counting as many people as we should be. Or, oh my gosh, I <laughs> make sure she talks to her DG about supporting our resolution in the Council on Resolutions. And, and so sometimes I have to get up and, and send the letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go back to bed. But are we going to have a nuclear, are, are my grandchildren going to be able to live in a world without these um, crazy weapons? Really? Absolutely. The best experts say, and one of them is in our group, Ira Helfen. He says, we can do all this in three years. Wow. Okay. So we keep thinking, oh, it's just not going to happen. Oh, those guys, are, they're just too entrenched. They're just too much awful stuff in the world. And I say, we did it before. And why we do it? Because there were a million people in Central Park saying, boys, just get busy. Just do it. Just do it. And, and, and in Europe and Russia, there were, there were uh, crowds of people. Come on, guys, just do it. Just do it. And everybody will benefit because we're, we are all saying we have to do this together. Now, I acknowledge that some countries might have the courage to say, you know, we're wasting too much money on this. You know, right. we're, we're going to cut back. That would be a really great thing. And we would just say, wonderful. But this has got to be something we do together. And we think it will also help build the bonds that we need to deal with other things because war is just killing us. And, and it is, uh, as we're learning from Afghanistan, it is really enriching the companies who produce the materials, even as they're not providing very good services. But that's not just the U.S. This is everywhere that this is happening, is that somebody is getting rich on this. Because Russia and China are also capitalist countries now. We helped them get there. So, you know, we have to think about this may have been a gift to the world, uh, but we, 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 we have to think about just deciding together that maybe we don't have to do this. And just like with, um, it was Reagan and Gorbachev that finally said it, but George right. Holtz was very important. And it happened very fast. So you have the political will. Mm-hmm. You have the it, it's not like climate change climate change is extremely complicated it's refrigerants it's carbon it's it's pollinator mm-hmm. gardens it's, it's, it's pesticides it's everything is killing us 
but we can stay alive because we built these things and we can take them apart. And to, for the most part, we can safely recycle. Wow. So why would you not do that? We can do it in under, probably under three years. Well, talk about a a, a rotary project, you know, let's, let's lick polio and then we can move on to nuclear weapons. The other thing if I think about at night is like, could we assign the 13,000 nuclear weapons to individuals or to clubs and they would have protective capacity. Um, They could, Watch over. We, we ruled all nuclear weapons via the four-way test. We they'd be disarmed probably pretty quickly, don't you think? It's our proof to the world that yeah, rotary. We are we are people of action. We don't sit around saying, "Oh, we can't do this." Mm-hmm. We say, "Tell us what we need to do. What do we need to know? Let's get at it. Let's let's take them apart." And we literally can go all the way up to the UN and keep poking oh. at them until they do something about it. And Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You did give me a little hope. I mean, I, I went through the ups and downs of uh, today's conversation from the history to the, okay, I'm really depressed to, okay, three years, we could wipe these things out. I thank you so much for being on the show today. <laughs> oh, it's been great fun, Gwen. I love being here and I can't wait to meet you. Oh, yes, you too. I will be in Houston. So you guys, we have those action groups at on your My Rotary site. Uh, there's two that we talked about today. There's RAG, uh, which is the the uh, Rotarians for Peace. And then, of course, we have the Nuclear Action Group. All of those action groups, as Anne was telling you, are working every single day pushing the buttons at the UN and other places uh, to make this world a better place. And it was a pleasure. And I thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Gwen. Well, in my bowl of nuclear terror, I have to admit having Anne and the rest of her gang working so hard brings me hope in these days. I think, quite frankly, we forget about all these nuclear weapons. They're kind of in little caves or tunnels all over the place. We don't think about them. We don't really have a big brother anymore that's telling us all about them. And nowadays, it seems like most of terror has gone online or to the dark web. But these weapons are still out there. And like I said, Anne is working very hard to get rid of them. Thank you, Anne, to you and all your staff making this world a better place. And thank you, as always, for joining me on the podcast. Please tell friends about it. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have somebody that you think I should interview, let me know. RotarianPod at gmail.com. And hey, I'm on the radio. Rotary Radio UK every Wednesday night. That's right. Right over there across the pond in uh, Britain. I have a radio show and I talk rotary and music. Check it out, won't you? Rotaryradio.org. Oops, wait a second. Rotaryradiouk.org. Thank you again for joining me. Until next week, take care of yourself and the world around you, and I'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Take care, everybody.